Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics on CPAC, the campaign edition. It is day 19 of the campaign, Election Day, September 20th. A quieter day on the campaign trail today as leaders prepared for the first televised debate of the campaign, the French language debate on TVA. The debate comes at the halfway point of the campaign, roughly, and it could be very important to the election outcome. More on that coming up with our party commentators. And we will also look at the importance of the debate with PJ Fournier of uh, Electoral Projection Site 338 Canada. Also ahead, the Federation of Canadian Municipalities issues its priority list for the election, including a demand for billions of dollars in federal funding to deal with the effects of climate change. But first, to the day on the campaign trail. Wow, this is sick now, Doug. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh met reporters at a custom poutine truck featuring his own personal recipe. It was just hours ahead of the first big test of the campaign, the face-to-face French language debate on TVA. For Singh, it will be a key opportunity to try and revive party fortunes in Quebec, but he'll face more questions about his stand against Quebec's Bill 21 on religious symbols in the workplace. Singh made it clear who his target will be in the debate tonight. You know, I'm looking forward to presenting our plan to Quebecers and let folks know about what it, what our plan is. And when we've seen uh, what Justin Trudeau's done, Canadians, Quebecers can't afford another four years of Justin Trudeau. He has made things worse, particularly the things that people care about the most in Quebec. This debate has proven pivotal before. In the last campaign, then-Conservative leader Andrew Scheer evaded questions on abortion and medical assistance in dying. His performance in the debate was widely seen as hurting the Conservative campaign. The current Conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole, is leading in many polls. He's already promised a contract with Quebec. He can expect to face lots of attacks from opponents on his proposals on climate change, health care and social issues. In a tweeted video ahead of the debate, O'Toole promised to protect the French language everywhere in Canada. C'est qu'elles grandissent dans un monde sain, en français, en sécurité, en santé. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau was joined by Montreal area candidates for a pre-debate stroll in Montreal, meeting supporters and pausing for pictures and a smoked meat lunch. Trudeau will look to make the debate a choice for Quebecers between the Liberals and the Bloc Québécois by arguing that only a party that can form government can truly serve Quebecers. While it's a French language debate with a huge audience in Quebec, the reviews of the performances are important in English Canada too. So expect Trudeau to go after Aaron O'Toole as well over health care and values and expect all leaders to gang up on Trudeau over any number of issues. Two years ago, the Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette was a newcomer on the federal political scene, but he performed so well in this debate, he revived the fortunes of the Bloc and likely blocked a Liberal majority. Blanchette gave a glimpse of the case he will make to Quebecers. Presenting directly to the population, that is the most important part of it. What we propose, what we think, what we carry as values. So I will be very happy to step to step, sorry, uh, on the plateau. 
People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier was not invited to the TVA debate and neither was Green Party leader Annamie Paul. Paul remained in Toronto today where she pressed for more Canadian action to deal with the crisis in Afghanistan. And that's the kind of day it's been, day 19 of the election campaign. Well, let's bring in our panel of party commentators now to talk about the debate and where we are in the campaign. Susan Smith is a Liberal commentator, Kate Harrison's a Conservative commentator, and Kim Wright is an NDP commentator. It's great to see you all again. Susan, let's talk about the debate tonight. It's the first debate of the campaign. It's in French, but it is important across the country, as we've seen in the past. What's the challenge tonight for Justin Trudeau? The big challenge for Trudeau is all eyes will be trained on Trudeau. And so he will be getting it from all sides. The other challenge is, quite frankly, is that this will be the first time a lot of the country and, and certainly most of Quebec has seen Aaron O'Toole on his feet. And they're going to kind of like him just from a general presentation perspective. The question is, how well will they like his policies and how well can they defend them? So Trudeau's, Trudeau's big challenge will be to differentiate himself from O'Toole, uh, to really create a stark contrast, to talk about childcare, to talk about climate change, to talk about vaccinations, to talk about the plan for the country, to an audience that is familiar with him and who will be meeting Aaron O'Toole for the first time. All right. Uh, Kate Harrison, Aaron O'Toole is leading in a lot of the polls these days, so he can expect to get a lot more scrutiny for his policies. Uh, his French is improving, but let's face it, he's less fluent perhaps than the others. What's the big challenge for him tonight? Yeah, I think the fighting to a draw would be a good night for, for Aaron O'Toole. We saw what happened in the last campaign uh, with Andrew Scheer. Uh, the TVA debate tripped him up uh, quite a bit, and he really got cornered on some uh, social issues that have been sticky for conservative leaders in the past. Uh, I would expect a lot of those same questions to mm -hmm. come forward in this debate tonight. Uh, but Aaron O'Toole so far has managed those questions very well. Obviously, he has different uh, personal beliefs than the previous leader, uh, ones that uh, Quebecers may be more comfortable with themselves. So I do think that uh, for him, uh, just trying to kind of keep his head above water is a key. I think the uh, dynamics between Blanchette and Trudeau are really going to be the fireworks uh, if there are to be any tonight. Yeah, we'll get into some of that. Uh, Kim, Kim Wright, Jagmeet Singh is trying to build on the party's single seat in Quebec, but uh, we know the challenges he faces in Quebec. He was asked about that again today, his criticism of Bill uh, 21, his attacks on the block and the block attacks on him. What's the big challenge for Jagmeet Singh tonight? Yeah, it is continuing to put that positive message, that optimism, that what he has done for Canadians throughout the pandemic and throughout the past two years in Parliament, he was given an opportunity over the last couple of years to show what, when you elect more new Democrats, uh, that you get better uh, programs, better policies, increased CERB, uh, and that what he's looking forward to doing uh, for Canadians as Prime Minister. Look, the reality is that the other leaders on the stage, in, in particular Mr. Blanchette and Mr. Trudeau, uh, have been a bit thin-skinned this election campaign. They've been snarky at reporters. They've been snarky uh, all over the place. And, you know, it, and then, you know, Mr. Blanchette in his dismissive pose at a press conference earlier today, uh, you know, the reality is they need to show that they want the job. Certainly, Jagmeet Singh wants the job. He's got amazing candidates in Quebec. You've got Ruth Ellen Brasseur coming back, Yves Paclet in Outremont. Of course, Alexander Boulouris uh, is amazing. Uh, and showing what you can do when you uh, when you have good people and you vote for the government you want, not the one you're afraid to, uh, you, you get afraid to vote in. Susan, let me talk about, uh, let's go back to Justin Trudeau and some of the things uh, he might face tonight. Uh, I expect we'll hear questions for all of the, uh, the candidates on the issues of uh, on the issue of health care and, and provincial versus federal jurisdiction.
jurisdiction. That's a big issue in the in the province of Quebec um, and, and other provinces as well. Uh, Justin Thoreau has talked a lot about extra money for health care for the provinces, but there are going to be some strings attached. Uh, how does he navigate that tonight? Well, I think he can because he's already walked the talk. Uh, in terms of the $10 a day child care, Canada signed a deal, the government of Canada signed a deal with eight of the provinces and territories, including Quebec, that already has its own daycare program. And they made a deal with Quebec. They said, here's more money towards the program you have, no strings attached onto that. So the government has walked the talk. Trudeau has walked the talk. Uh, I mean, he's a son of Quebec, just like he's a son of BC, as he likes to tell people. He understands Quebecers. He is a Quebecer. So I think he will be able to navigate that. The one thing, too, he can say for Quebecers is Yves Blanchette can never be prime minister. Yves Blanchette can never form a cabinet. Yves Blanchette will never make a decision about what's good for Quebec and what's good for Canada. And I think Quebecers fundamentally care, of course, about what happens to them at home, but they also care about their impact in Canada and globally. Climate change, for example, huge issue in Quebec, is not a Quebec story alone. So this is right. where Trudeau will paint a stark difference there between himself and the other leaders. Kate, you touched on the uh, the, the problems for Andrew Scheer and that that uh, that were caused by the, his performance in the TVO debate. It kind of sucked the momentum out of the campaign in 2019. Uh, but Aaron O'Toole will face, uh, again, some of those same value questions tonight. You've touched on how he might do a better job uh, just because of the, his positions on them than, than Mr. Scheer. But he'll get pressed about his climate plan and sticking to the the old Paris targets, uh, and that's a big deal in Quebec. So how does he deal with that for a Quebec audience to show that um, notwithstanding the fact he's talked about a contract for Quebec, that he's actually aligned with their views? Yeah, I, I think for on climate in particular, he's going to have to talk about how you're going to set targets. It's important to meet them. Uh, the previous government didn't even do that. So rather than set uh, kind of these this moonshot target, even when you haven't met what's been set previously, um, that's kind of pie in the sky thinking. So uh, I think that on climate, on social issues, uh, including on health care, there is a lot more uh, potential for Aaron O'Toole to connect with Quebecers based on what's in his platform uh, than what uh, Andrew Scheer had offered, frankly, in 2019. Uh, Aaron O'Toole also was, during the leadership rate, was very, very focused on Quebec issues. A lot of those kind of Quebec-specific policies were carried over to this new platform. Uh, so I think that he is on good footing because of some of the ideas that he's put forward. There will be definitely tricky questions, but he's handled some of those much better so far than previous leaders. And so I think that he's in a good position tonight. Uh, Kim Wright, uh, Jagmeet Singh's talked about this message of optimism and cheery optimism. He talked about it again today. But uh, the fact of the matter is he's... Uh, he, you know, he, he runs into problems with uh, the province of Quebec on some of the uh, things that the people in the province of Quebec think are important. Again, you know, uh, Bill 21 and provincial jurisdiction and those, those kinds of things. So um, he, he'll have that sunny way about him probably tonight in the debate. But um, how, how does he get past the fact that on a lot of those key issues, he's just not aligned with the people of Quebec? Look, if you're talking about Bill 21 and the fact that he that Jagmeet Singh wears a turban, uh, I think he's talked about that. I think he's addressed that. But I also think that Canadians also have seen 
who he is, what his value proposition is. You know, he he just put out this great uh, series of ads and 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 the story behind Jigmeet Singh. You know, the kid who got bullied for wearing a turban, the kid who got bullied for being a bit different, not being able to see himself in politics, and then being able to make big changes for people, whether it's been showing them how law and politics actually matters in their lives and can help uh, make their lives better. Those are the kinds of things that Canadians are looking for. It isn't just sunny ways and hollow promises. It's actually a guy who has walked the walk and talked the talk. Aaron O'Toole is going to have a problem on that stage because he wants to show that he is the son of a guy who worked at GM, management at GM, but a guy who worked at GM. Uh, but Aaron O'Toole also has a caucus uh, that has does not share his value proposition. Aaron O'Toole also has a very deep record of not bringing forward private members' bills that helps pensioners. So you know, talk that talk and talk and talk is cheap. Frankly, uh, it's about uh, leadership, and that's what Jagmeet Singh has shown. Okay. Okay, let's let's talk about in more general terms where we are in the campaign. Susan, uh, let me start with you here. Why is Aaron O'Toole rising in the polls? Because nobody knew him. That's why uh, he's rising. Because we for the last year and a bit, people have been watching the prime minister uh, help them through the pandemic, and there wasn't a lot of camera time on the other opposition leaders. They're seeing O'Toole. You know, on, on the surface, he's a reasonable, decent guy. The issue is the policies and when the dig, the dig, dig deeping is happening, deep digging is happening. So I think that's part of it. But I think what you're going to see, I also think the other thing is people aren't focused a whole lot on this yet. It's the surface. Yeah, he looks all right. I'd have a view with that guy. After Labor Day, all of the platforms are out right. now. The Liberal platform is costed. The Tories and the NEPs are not costed. This is when the knuckling down is going to going to be going. This is when the scratch, surface scratching is going to take place. And I think this is where you'll see some more fluctuations in the polls. All right. Kate, let me get your view on what you think is happening. Why, why is Aaron O'Toole up and why is Justin Trudeau down a little bit? Well, I think if people weren't paying attention, then we wouldn't be see be seeing any difference in the polls than what happened uh, before. So uh, I think, in fact, people are paying quite a bit of attention. They're annoyed that this election is happening at all. Um, and they're genuinely casting about to see, OK, who's got the best plan and ideas uh, to move the country forward uh, after the pandemic is said and done. I, I really do think that the Liberals have rested a bit too much on their pandemic management uh, and not so much on the ideas and the vision uh, coming out of the pandemic. People are trying to move on to that portion uh, of, of the conversation. And so I think that Aaron's policy coming out with that early uh, really gave him uh, a head start in the campaign and people are starting to get interested in talking about what conservatives can do. All right, uh, let, Kim Wright, we'll finish with you tonight. Uh, Jagmeet Singh's rising as well in his personal popularity. A uh, bit of a bump mm -hmm. in the polls as well. The party numbers, uh, at least uh, for the most part, steady or nudging upwards somewhat. But how does Jagmeet Singh uh, convert a growing personal popularity into a growing number of seats? Well, and you're starting to see that. And when New Democrats start hitting that 23, 24 uh, percent in nationwide polls, that translates into seats and shifts in, in, in how that unfolds because of the way that our vote is much more efficient. But the reason that Jagmeet Singh, people are giving a good look at him, uh, and even to an extent to, to Mr. O'Toole, is that Justin Trudeau has a credibility gap. He wants to say that, oh, he didn't get to accomplish certain things because of the pandemic. Uh, you had 
you know, years of a majority government before that. You've been elected since 2015. Uh, so we still don't have clean drinking water. There are still children that are uh, in, in reserves who are being taken to court uh, by the prime minister, but also that they still don't have access to clean drinking water. Sure, maybe okay. progress is done, but in, 20, in 2021, we don't have these things. He also has a big credibility gap with women. He wanted to be the feminist prime minister and super woke. And yet he's got a candidate who's got multiple sexual assault allegations and human rights complaints, and he didn't get rid of him. Those kinds of credibility gaps are coming home to okay. roost, not only for Canadians, but also for Liberals. All right. Um, okay. Still uh, like halfway point. So lots more time <laughs> to watch what happens next, but focus on the debate tonight. Uh, thank you all for your time. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Philippe J. Fournier is the man behind the website 338 Canada, a statistical model of electoral projections based on opinion polls, demographics, and electoral history. He's a professor at the Cégep de Saint-Laurent in Montreal, and he's with me now. Uh, Monsieur Fournier, good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to speak with me today. Bonjour, Peter. Always a pleasure. Good. Let's, uh, nice to see you too. Let, let's talk about the TVA debate tonight. Why is this debate so important? <laughs> well, sometimes uh, it's true that in Canadian politics, we have seen debates that have been duds. But however, we have to remember in 2019, the TVA debate completely changed the race in Quebec. Uh, there was a second place uh, deadlock between the Conservatives and the Bloc Québécois. And in that debate, uh, at the TVA debate, we saw the Andrew Scheer completely stumble in the few, first few minutes of the debate. And uh, Yves-François Blanchet's campaign took off at that point. And the polls did see this. We, we can see the lines completely changing directions right after that debate. And the Bloc Québécois went from about 19 to 20 percent in support and ended up with 33 percent in Quebec. And so uh, this could be a, a major, major event tonight if O'Toole can keep uh, his own. And, and one of the things to consider, right, is that it's a, it's a French language debate, largely for a Quebec audience, and it's a big audience that TVA has for this, this debate. But, you know, it's, but people in the rest of the country pay attention too, right? They hear the reviews, they, they hear how the leaders perform, and it can carry a, uh, it can have an impact across the country. Absolutely. And it can also give some momentum to the campaign. Whoever performs well in this campaign will go into next week's official debates uh, by the commission uh, with some momentum. And so, of course, it, it, we will watch with attention tonight. I, we do not expect uh, usually uh, to see knockout punches. But then again, in 2019, mm. we saw one and Andrew Scheer stumbled big time. Uh, which leader or leaders have the most at stake in this debate? What will you be watching for tonight? Well, uh, interestingly, we see that the Liberals are still doing very well in Quebec. They're still leading the Bloc Québécois by a margin of about six to seven points on average. And so, uh, of course, Trudeau will need a good performance in Quebec if he wants to stay in power in Ottawa after this election. Uh, the Bloc Québécois has not been polling well lately. François Blanchet has had a difficult start to this campaign. Uh, the average of polling is somewhere between 25 and 28 percent, which is good for second place, but still a long way back by the Liberals. And also, if we look at the Conservatives, well, they had 16% of the vote in 2019. Right now, the average uh, Conservatives is 19%. So it's a slight increase. And some polls, including from Leger this week, have the Conservative above 20% in Quebec. And that could really complicate the race uh, for both Justin Trudeau and Yves-François Blanchet if O'Toole can hold his own tonight in, in the debate. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a key for, and the reason I wanted to talk to you today is because understanding uh, what the models say and understanding the, the, the poll projections and so on can, can really help uh, because the parties do their own polling too. They know what's going on out there. So it can really sort of help inform 
the viewer as to what to watch for, right? So, like, we'll see a lot of people going after each other tonight, not just, uh, you know, one leader picking on another leader because of these numbers suggest to us that it's, it might be getting more competitive in Quebec. And it's, uh, so you'll, we'll see lots of people trading attacks, right? All these three leaders cannot afford to play defense if they want to win, to increase their seat count in the province. Justin Trudeau and François Blanchet and Emeril Toul all have high hopes for Quebec. Of course, we didn't talk much about Jagmeet Singh. His uh, Quebec numbers are not very good at the moment. They're not down compared to 2019. But, uh, you know, you're still looking at maybe one, perhaps two NDP seats in Quebec. So uh, I think it will be a good practice for next week. Uh, for the commission debates for Jack Mead Singh. Let's talk about the national campaign and the polls showing the Conservatives on the rise and the Liberal support sliding in key regions. Uh, what effect has that had on your projections? Let's say, let's start in Ontario. What are you seeing? <laughs> in the first days of the campaign, I had the Liberals nining 95% of my simulations. And so even though the majority was far from a lock, uh, a Liberal victory was the, the, the most likely scenario. Uh, however, in the days, I, actually starting from day two, in the campaign, we saw the Liberals started slipping uh, about everywhere in the country, but especially in Ontario. And for the past two weeks in the projections, the Liberals have on average lost two seats per day. And so it's been a very terrible start for Justin Trudeau in this campaign. However, today is uh, Thursday. And so we see the numbers that seem to have stabilized uh, this week. And so we have a statistical tie between the Liberals and the Conservatives. Right now in Ontario, there's some disagreement among polls. Uh, there's some polls that show the Liberals ahead by two, three points. Uh, others say the Conservatives by a handful of points. That tells me that it's really close to being tied in a province. And if that is so, uh, the projections show that at least 20 to 25 seats could go from red to blue uh, if uh, if that materializes on, a, on voting day. That's why the, right now the seat projection shows a dead, uh, deadlock, a dead heat between the Conservatives and the Liberals. All right, let, let's finish in uh, what's happening in British Columbia. What are you seeing there? <laughs> Very strange numbers in British Columbia, but that is also very the the the, the, the normal state of the race. And we we have uh, very differing polls in British Columbia. Some polls say the Conservatives are above forty percent, uh, which of course they would uh, record gains, uh, seat gains, if that is true. But we also see the NDP in a strong second place in many polls. And so right now the average in BC, I have thirty three percent for the Conservatives. 30% for the NDP, and the Liberals are in third place with 26%. So it's a very close race. Uh, and of course, many seats are up for grabs, especially in their lower mainland and around Vancouver. We'll have to keep our eyes on that. All right, Philip J. Fournier, uh, lots to watch for tonight, lots to watch for in the days ahead. Uh, hope we get a chance to talk again during the campaign. But thanks for your time today and take care. Thank you, Peter. Talk to you soon. Well, Canada's cities and municipalities have uh, presented their list of uh, funding priorities to the political parties to deal with job creation, housing, transit costs, climate change. They say they need more money and recognition from the next federal government to help drive the economic recovery after the pandemic. Joanne Vanderhagen is the president of the Federation of Municipalities. She's the mayor of the municipality of strathroy Caradoc in Ontario. She's with me now. Uh, mayor Vanderhagen, good to see you. Thanks for being with me. Thank you for the opportunity. Look, political leaders are making lots of promises during this campaign to spend billions uh, on uh, priorities. Uh, have you heard what you need to hear about support for cities and municipalities yet? And if not, what's missing? Well, we've heard we've heard a lot. We're going through all of the platforms, obviously, in order to see what uh, what's there and what's not. And uh, this morning we released our uh, program. The 
frontline solutions for Canadian recovery, and that's the election 2021 recommendations from municipalities. So we're going through all of the documents, obviously, to make sure that uh, what we need is in there because recovery is going to happen on the front lines. And I really, truly believe that. All right, let's talk about transit. The federal government's already pledged to spend, uh, I think it's $15 billion on transit over the next eight years. There's a call for more money for local transit systems because of the losses in revenue during the pandemic because of lower ridership. So what is it specifically you want from the federal government on transit? Well, on the transit piece, we really need to help move the recovery forward. Uh, I can tell you that cities across this country have lost incredible amount of money because of the COVID. So we need to move past this COVID. And, and, and the way to do that is to get the ridership back up, but to help municipalities with the costs that they've lost throughout. And I can give you an example. Mayor Savage said this morning in Halifax alone, they lose two to $4 million a month. And so that those shortfalls, of course, have to be carried and have to be moved forward. So how do we get through that? And we expect that the return um, to ridership will be between 75 to 85% of normal ridership within about 12 to 18 months. So FCM is calling mm. for a durable solution to remaining transit operating shortfalls and uh, predict that over the next number of years, right. say 2022 to 2024, in order to uh, partnership across the, the spectrum to make sure that we can drive the inclusive economic, uh, economic recovery through transit. Okay, let's talk about housing. All of the major parties have plans to develop more housing and more affordable housing and more rental options. Uh, what specifically do you want from the, the next government when it comes to housing? Well, we're looking for clear and measurable timelines. We're also looking to grow the proven rapid housing initiative. This works. This is something that we can prove works. And so we need to commit an additional $5.5 billion over the next five years to create at least 18,000 more supportive housing and deeply affordable homes. And we're also looking for uh, doubling the reaching home program. And those are the wraparound services that help um, all of the residents to, to move forward. Right. And that's just that's just part of it. It's there's it's a very complex issue and there's a lot to it. Um, I really encourage people to go to our platform, uh, to our website and read the entire document. Right. Housing is complex. And one of the things that makes it complex is federal parties can promise lots of money. But one of the challenges is uh, zoning, uh, for instance, for the, those are all municipal decisions on what gets built where. And I guess. Um, you know, are there are municipalities committed to easing perhaps some zoning restrictions to allow for more affordable housing uh, in those communities? They absolutely. Are. Yes. Sorry, they absolutely are. Um, we're seeing it with uh, even in my own community. We're changing zoning and we're changing things to to allow different parcels to be um, developed in order to to add more affordable housing and different options. So I see it across the board. That's that's working. Uh, you've also made climate change a priority, as have the political parties, and municipalities are on the, the front lines of that challenge, as we know, uh, because of the effects of climate change and uh, how that um, uh, can impact municipalities, flooding and so on. Uh, what do you want from the federal, uh, the next federal government in terms of um, helping municipalities on the front line deal with the effects of climate change? Climate change is being recognized by everyone and it's happening. Uh, it's, it's an urgent need. I mean, we're seeing it across Canada right now with the fires and with the droughts and with everything moving forward. And 
So we're looking for unprecedented investments of $2 billion over a three-year recovery, following that by $1 billion a year to, to hit the climate resiliency and disaster mitigation projects. And uh, we also need to invest in low-carbon infrastructure like transit and, and local pathways to net zero. So again, another very complex issue, but I think we can do it together if we, if we work hard. Uh, these priorities that uh, your uh, organization has laid out, um, they call for billions in additional funding. And I guess a lot of people watch and go, uh, Mayor, where's the money going to come from? They're very, very ambitious. And let's not forget the permanent doubling of the Canada Community Building Fund. We, we want that to go to $4.6 billion and a permanent federal funding of $3 billion annually for, for the public transit. So those two pieces are really integral as well. And they work. They, we, we are seeing shovels in the ground and, and, and projects work. So I, I look at it as we're talking about renewing core infrastructure building modern transit, tackling the housing issue crisis, protecting people from climate uh, changes and extremes. These are just not nice to have. These are have to have. These are essential for Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Look at it as an investment, economic recovery, and it generates growth. And, and, and it's very ambitious, but I think we can get this done together with, with our partners at the federal level right. and the provincial level and the territorial level. All right, Mayor Vander Hayden, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, we'll see how these... Uh, uh, these uh, requests you're making, these uh, urgent requests you're making, how they play out, uh, not just for the rest of the campaign, but uh, what we hear from whoever forms government after the election ends. Thank you so much for your time today. Take care. Thank you. And that's when the hard work begins, after the election. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for this campaign edition of Primetime Politics on CPAC. I'm Peter Van Dusen. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching.